The Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are going to give another episode on motivations for our spiritual life. And if you recall, it's a result of some points made by a man named Dr. Jim Roska, who was one of my professors. Um, and we thought that would be helpful for people to think about how the writers in the Bible state things that ought to move us forward in a Christian walk. And so these are designed to be very simple and short episodes, something that you can listen to and use immediately in your life in hopefully a very practical manner. So, so far we've talked about contemplating our salvation as a key motivator. And the better that you grasp that greatness and vastness of your salvation from the wrath of God, the better it will capture your day-to-day living. We also spoke on consistency in another podcast. First, by looking at those whose life has shown the fruit of godliness, meaning they've had a consistent life. And second, in considering how your own life looks in light of what the Bible describes as a faithful walk. In other words, are you being consistent to what the scripture says you ought to be? Uh, We too often fool ourselves into thinking that we're far more godly than we may be. And only by shining the light of the word upon our lives can we learn to think rightly about ourselves. And so today we want to give you one that may surprise some, and it is fear. Yeah. Well, the New Testament has many passages that, well, I would say they're often overlooked. Um, They they function (laughs) sort of like a stop and think point in our reading and our study of the scriptures. So we're just going to give you a few examples of those. So let me uh, read here Colossians 1, 19 through 23. Paul, whose writing says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now that's always the stopping point, right? right? But then verse 23 says, all that's true. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So chapter one of Colossians, it's filled with all sorts of great statements that, uh, again, we tend to grab hold of as believers. Uh, For example, in verse 13, it says that we were rescued from the domain of darkness and placed into the kingdom of Christ. Verse 14 says we are redeemed and forgiven of our sin. And then a whole litany of truths about who Jesus is and how overwhelmingly preeminent he is. And that continues in the part we just read for you. Um, we were alienated, but are reconciled and will be presented him as holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And right there, again, we tend to stop reading. Um, many times you'll find pastors and writers will stop here and go no further, but Paul was not yet done. I had to, I read that passage on Sunday for our opening text for, really? for our service. Okay. And I, I kept reading Yeah, because it's such a key part of that passage. Um, but then in verse 23, he, he does, he moves into that scary if statement. Um, we are expected there to remain or continue in the faith. And this is, we've said this many times, that this is not speaking of our faith, like our personal subjective faith, but rather it's the faith, uh, which is that body of doctrine that represents truth 
And at its foundation, of course, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a key point to know and grasp for all who listen. Uh, for some, uh, perhaps like us, you were raised to think that once you said the sinner's prayer or if you walked down an aisle in church that you were saved and no one could therefore tell you otherwise. Uh, this is often called once saved or always saved. Um, but that is not a sound way to think. And it certainly is, is, is too simplistic to stand up under the scrutiny of the word. Now, to be clear, if you truly are saved, then you shall always be saved. Yeah, we're not saying that. Yeah, you can't like lose your salvation somehow. But the Bible says in passages like this that a true believer will show an overall life that is consistent with what the Bible says is true. Uh, true about God, true about this age that we live in, true about what and who we are as humans, and true about what we are expected to be and therefore do. So for a false believer, a passage like this is often just ignored. But for the, the true believer, this kind of passage ought to give you pause so you might ask yourself if it's true for you. So let's read one, one other one. This one comes out of uh, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. He says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross through him. I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And again, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Again, very similar passage to what we read in Colossians, because if you didn't know, Ephesians and Colossians were written at the same time while Paul was imprisoned. Again, note, though, the good things that said in the first section about reconciliation and how we were once in rebellion, but now reconciled through Christ. And then it moves into a, the state of glorification uh, as the stated goal, in other words, in order to. Um, the great hope is to be found finally holy and blameless for all eternity. And once again, then, we come to the if. This great truth of being fully changed and made blameless comes if we remain in the faith, not moving from the hope found in the gospel. And it ought to be, again, a moment, a pause for us. Is this me? Am I remaining in the faith? So you might ask yourself like this, what captures my thinking and living? How does the gospel and sound theology both confine my living and define my actions? And it is here then that repentance ought to occur, or thanksgiving, depending on how you were able to answer those questions. Let's, we'll, we'll give you one more example, and we'll tie all of this up. Yeah, this one comes from Hebrews 3, 12 through 4, 1. Uh, the writer states, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Well, it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? 
And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. So Hebrews is one of those books of the Bible that makes a lot of people confused, uh, which unfortunately is a shame because it's an incredible book that's full of encouragement. But it's, it's a very serious-minded letter that has two themes running through it, if you didn't know. Uh, the first, of course, is the supremacy of Christ over all things related to the Old Covenant. Uh, and the second theme is to persevere in Christ until the end. And too often, only one of those is in mind of the reader, which, of, which creates inadvertent problems as a result. Yeah, you get the guy who's paralyzed because he sees the repeated warning passages and he's just crippled, or the ones who are all about how supreme Christ is, but they never stop and ask themselves, is their life showing con a, a consistency and conformity to his supremacy? Yeah, which is essentially that episode we did on legalism versus licentiousness. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but notice right off that there, there's a corporate responsibility for the well-being of one another. Uh, we're not merely to look out for ourselves, but as he says over and over, one another. So there, there should be a careful examination of the spiritual health of your fellow professing believer. Uh, in other words, minding your own business can be a serious sin. Um, the, the assumption is that without this mutual care and accountability, uh, apostasy can occur. And this responsibility is, is not a one-time event, but it's a, as he says, day after day, uh, we are to encourage one another to remain in the faith. Uh, verse 15 uh, quotes uh, an Old Testament passage, and it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. So in the context of the Old Testament, how long was the today for Israel? Uh, well, it was 40 years um, while they were just wandering in the wilderness. So then the question is, what is the today for us? And the answer is, until we die or Christ returns. Um, one of the key reasons the church is to physically gather together is for this common corporate work of encouragement to remain steadfast, which is what's so evil about the online yeah, yeah. stuff going today. Um, so this is done how? Well, through those normal means of ministry, it's through prayer, singing, reading, and the hearing of the word being taught and, and preached. So though Israel appeared to be saved when they came out of Egypt, uh, the reality is that only a few were actually faithful until the end, uh, very few. Uh, the rest died in the wilderness and were found to be redeemed in the end. Unredeemed. Unredeemed. Yeah, millions came out of Egypt, yeah. but two got into the promised land, right? <laughs> right. Um, just think about that. Um, you know, so, so it's not that they lost their salvation, per se. Rather, it's, it showed that they were never true believers in the first place. Why? Because they did not persevere. And we would just say it's that simple and yet at the same time that profound. So um, the author then wraps this up in chapter four, verse one, by saying, therefore, in light of what I just wrote, be afraid. In other yeah. words, fear. Um, let fear settle upon you so that you are prodded and provoked forward in your walk. All right, so to tie all this up, fear, properly understood, becomes a great motivator in many things. Um, think about it. children really should fear their parents in one way, and a foolish parent seeks only to be a friend with them. 
Um, you should have a healthy fear of your boss, for they hold your income in their hands. But most of all, you and I should fear God and not treat the death of Christ casually as if it really means nothing other than the trick that gets you into heaven. Because Jesus actually calls you to follow him, to take up our cross, to rejoice when we're hated for his namesake, to love our enemies, and to do kindness to those who abuse us. These are not suggestions. They are actually royal edicts from the throne above all other thrones. And he rightly expects us to obey. So if we secretly, and I say this, I say it secretly because few will openly admit it. But if we secretly think that we are definitely in Christ and saved because we know the gospel and that we can recall some moment in time where we claimed, uh, we claimed to believe the gospel and therefore we're good to go, then we're actually in a very bad place. If we post pictures of our pile of theology books or our favorite sermon by our favorite pastor, and therefore we assume that this is a true indication of our actual life and walk, we're actually just fools. Instead, we need one another to go forward. We need to gather around us those who push us to examine ourselves, to test our profession of faith with the life of faith, to live under the authority of the Word of God in a day-to-day manner. So learn to fear well, and you will actually persevere well. Well, that's our podcast, and we hope in some way, it actually helps you to think. Um, we would ask you to share it with others if you don't mind. We have plenty of other episodes in the making, but until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. If you have any questions on the subject of spiritual motivation, drop us a note. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review on iTunes, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell a friend. Mm-hmm.